What's up, everybody? It's your girl, Janae. Welcome back to my podcast, Authentic Audacity. I got a chance to go over and listen to my first podcast. So if you are back from listening to that again, first of all, welcome back. And second of all, please, please be a little gracious with me. I got a chance to listen to that and I just listened to myself and I was able to hear a lot of the mistakes I was making and a lot of the ums and the ha's and stuff like that. So please be gracious with me. I'm growing, I'm learning, and as I extend myself, Grace, I ask that you do the same and just be with me. I promise it's going to be more dope stuff to come and a lot of things that I'm, I plan to do here on this podcast. But I'm figuring it out, and I just ask that you be a little patient with me while I do it. But I'm definitely plan to do better and better as time go on and also to please please recommend this podcast to someone you know who you think will enjoy it you know i'm on all the major platforms now which is super dope to me so i'm on spotify apple stitcher i'm on google so it's just Oh, it's a lot of cool stuff happening, and I'm so very grateful. So I just ask that you stick it out with me. It's going to be a lot of dope stuff to come, a lot of things that I want to share with you. So, yeah, and if this is your first time listening, hello, my name is Janae. Um, and, yeah, so let's let's get right into it. Uh, we are in the month of May right now. And so since the last time I left you, I've been able to do a little bit of traveling. Um, Right before I left, I, well... Right, not too long after I did the last podcast, I went to San Diego, which is honestly becoming one of my favorite cities. I have a brother who is in the Navy, so I got a chance to go out and visit with him and my nephew, who is uh, just the bee's knees. Um, And I got a chance to visit my cousin, Jasmine, who, if you are looking for earrings, she has a um earring line called jxl ear pops they are super dope if you see me i probably have jxls in my ears i'm very proud of her very happy to be sporting her work and all that she do she has my support but she lives out there in san diego as well and she has two kids and she's married and stuff so i got to go out there and spend time with my family which was super cool and super dope san diego is so like laid back and it's so cool like the weather was always good when I went out there I had um right before I went out there I cut my hair I've I always had a short haircut but I cut all my hair off because ideally I wanted to get in the ocean and feel the ocean on my head it just didn't happen like that uh it was a little too cool when I went out there so but I still went out there and I got to get on the beach and walk in and feel that fresh cool air and just it was an amazing time. I got to take my mom out there. That was my mom's first time on the West Coast, and she just loved it. And it was really dope for me because I really got to kind of spoil my mom in a way. Like, she didn't have to worry about anything, which was super cool. Because, you know, as a mom, you know, if you have parents, you know, you want to be able to take care of them to just even give them a pinch of what they've given you your whole life and so it was really cool to do that and I got to see my nephew Jeremiah who I just can't talk enough about him but anyway um and also two months I came back from San Diego I went down to Nashville 
Um, I had a cousin who just graduated from college, and I got to visit her and her family, which includes three little boys who are just as awesome. And so I got to kiss a lot of babies that I love over the past couple of weeks, which was just dope because I'm in like full auntie mode all the time, which I ain't even mad. I love being an auntie, so yeah. But um, when I was down in Nashville, I got a chance to go to BB King's, and man, oh. The food was good, but the music, I believe the B.B. King All-Stars were performing when I was down there. And it just really made me feel like they sound, it, it was so good. Like, I honestly, it just really kind of took me back into a time where I was just really in love with music. And it sounded so good. And it just took me to places in my head and in my mind and I just really enjoyed it I just I want to really go back and be able to experience Nashville for the city and the music and the culture that it has um it was an awesome time and I loved it and now I'm back to reality <laughs> so um if any of you don't know I do have a nonprofit organization it's called Activate Your Evolution our mission is to educate empower encourage women of color here in the kansas city area and so i had a meeting yesterday and i have three events between now and the end of the year for activate your evolution and i remember you know once i put the dates in for the events you know i kind of was like wow i'm gonna be busy but then it kind of really made my heart smile because i remember there were times that i prayed for moments to be extremely busy working in my nonprofit. So it was kind of a good day for me, a good moment for me at that time because as I drove down the street and I smiled because it was like, I pray for this and it's happening, you know. And so it's like really starting to see some of my hard work pay off and see some of the, a lot of things that I prayed about come to fruition. And it's been really, really great things. So I want to get into today's podcast. I won't be before you long. That sounds very churchy, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> but I won't be here long. But I did want to talk about something that's been coming up a lot lately, not only for me in my life, but just period. And that is relearning, relearning and growing. And this is something that I've really been dealing with for a long, long time. Well, not for a long, long time, but for a good minute, because um, I'm in my 30s, you know, and our parents, I do believe that all of our parents, they did the absolute best that they could when they did with raising us. But a lot of the times they raised us with things that as we get older, we may not necessarily agree with. You know, as we get older and we tend to go out on our own and see things in our own light, you know, and begin to live our life outside of, I mean, outside of the guise of our parents, you'd be like, you know, I don't. You know, there was a time that I believed zero plus zero equals zero, but maybe it don't, you know, and life can be hard sometimes because if you see zero plus zero and it equals zero, you never thought it could be anything other than zero because that's what you were taught. That's what was reiterated with you time and time again. But now that you're getting a little older and you are seeing things a little different, Maybe it could be something else. And of course, I'm using that math problem as a very, just an example. But 
I hope that you can understand what I'm saying when I say that is that a lot of the times you, when we when our parents were raising us, you know, they taught us what they knew. A lot of the times they taught us what they were taught. So nobody ever saw anything other than what we were taught. And if we did see something other than what we were taught or what we believe was the right way, we were always taught to disagree with it not necessarily be open to another way of seeing it but if you are fortunate enough you get to live a little bit maybe you get to travel a little bit and meet new people and then you realize that you know what maybe maybe this way I was taught maybe this isn't the right way or maybe it was the right way for that time but now at this time in my life maybe that doesn't work for me and For me, this really hit home for me because as, you know, I was growing up and I I grew up in the church. Like my grandfather was a pastor. My grandma didn't play. We all went to church every Sunday, even when me and my mother moved away from Kansas City and moved to Atlanta. Church every Sunday still. Boom. So I grew up in a Christian household. I was that church girl who was in church singing in the choir, always doing something with the church. And I'm grateful for that upbringing. Absolutely no doubt about it. I'm grateful for it. But as I got older, I started to see, well, especially within the last couple of years, there was just a lot of things that I was taught under the umbrella of Christianity that as I'm getting older, it doesn't sit well with me. And it was really hard for me at first because I felt like I was going against everything I was ever taught. And you don't go against what you were taught. I grew not only did I grow up in a Christian household, I grew up in the South. I grew up in Atlanta. So that's what you don't do, you know. And so you don't go against the church and you don't go against your parents. You know, and for a long time, I felt really bad because I felt like I was going against God. But that's when that relationship with God came in because I began to talk to God, you know, because at first I and out instead of talking to God, I was just dealing with this inner turmoil of, oh, my God, you know, I'm having these thoughts and I don't necessarily believe a lot of things that I was taught now. So that makes me a bad person. Believe it or not, I spent a lot of time in therapy about this, you know, because it was just hard. It was it was horrible. It was a horrible time because I felt like this all made me a bad person. And so, but that's why it was really important. I'm really grateful that, you know, the people that I was able to talk to about this, they was able to say, talk to God about it. I was scared to talk to God about it because that was another thing I grew up you know, with this, to to have this fear of God, like if I do anything against what I've been told God wants me to do, I'm going to get it. God going to get me. You know what I'm saying? Instead of looking at God as a loving father and a love, you know what I'm saying? As a loving most high, it was more fearful. There was no, you know, and I was taught that I should be fearful because God was a loving God, but I also needed to fear God. Yeah, I hope that you understand what I'm saying. And so that, but when I began to look at 
is lot of the loving most high as God is a loving creation you know I was able to go to God and talk to God and be like okay God well this is how I'm feeling this is what's going on with me um I began to see you know my it really began to change my opinion about God because my relationship with God began to grow so much more and so but also too God began to put different things in front of me that showed me that it's okay to not agree with everything. It's okay to question because I was told that you don't question. And so now that I'm questioning me and I'm seeking answers because ultimately I felt like I'm seeking you, God. I'm seeking your the truth for you in my life. But I don't know where to start. I don't know where to go. You know what I'm saying? And a lot and ultimately it it changed my life in so many ways. And it's a it's a process. I'm still going through the process now. But I just don't think that we give ourselves the grace and the mercy to change, to go against what we've always been taught. You know, I was taught, and I remember being in my early 20s and having a lot of girlfriends, we were taught that if you do A, B, and C, you're going to get D. And so we did A, B, and C, but D wasn't coming, whatever it was. You know, I had a lot of friends who was taught, okay, well, if I go to school and I be a good girl and I don't sleep around, that I'm going to get married and have a husband. But here I am, and I did all of that, and this ain't happened. You know what I'm saying? Or I was, you know, there was a lot of dudes. This is also men deal with this as well. They were taught that if I, you know, if I do good and if I take care of myself and take care of my family, then I'm going to get a wife who's not going to do this or A, B, and C. I've learned that there is no one way to this, that there is no, like, way to i'm trying to be mindful of the words that i use and be respectful of everything i say and also just trying to get my my thoughts and things fully out is that you know there's no one way to do any of this and as i said before i believe that the people who raised us they were doing the best they could with what they knew but if they didn't know any different, how could they tell you any different? And even though it can be really hard because parents, they just can be a little hard on us sometimes, you know. But I think that now, you know, I, I meet a lot of people who are kind of, you know, they believe that there's like this mass exodus from the church and Christianity and things like that. And I definitely understand what people are saying. And it was it was. Like I said, all of this stuff, all of especially when the God talk and, you know, I really felt like there was nobody that I can go to without and talk to this about without being judged, without being considered a bad person, you know, because I remember and it's like anything, anything that is not. You know what they say is in the Bible, but there was a lot of stuff that wasn't in the Bible. Like, so I remember when I started doing yoga and somebody told me that that was the work of the devil. And then I asked them, well, how? And they couldn't tell me why, but they just knew because it was different. It must be wrong. 
And so that was tough because it's like, so like, just because I don't fit like this cookie cutter image of what we thought we were supposed to be, that makes me wrong just because I want to wear red instead of white. Oh, but red is the color. How is that? You know, it was, it was just, I just started to uncover a whole lot of stuff. And even as you can tell now, it's still very tough for me sometimes because we want to please our family and we want to, you know, live a life that we, you know, that's going to take us to heaven and we, so we can be close to God. But it just made me question a lot because it's like, okay, well, that stuff is not working for me. So now I need to find a way where I can be true to myself and be honest with myself, you know, and I I had to begin to relearn. I am relearning a lot of things. You know, I'm relearning that, you know, it's, you know, it doesn't have to be done in just a one simple way. There's many ways about it. Um, I'm trying to say it without getting too personal or stepping on too many toes, but it is just growing and also to just growing and just knowing that, okay, just because I've always done it this way doesn't mean I have to continue to always do it this way. And also learning that it is okay to ask questions. It does not make me a bad person to ask questions. Because asking questions, that's how you're going to get to your truth, by asking questions. And sometimes you don't need to ask people the questions. You need to ask God the questions. Or you need to, whatever whatever it is that you're relearning you know I was always taught well not always taught but some and sometimes when we are taught things we're not necessarily taught things by what people tell us sometimes we are taught things by what people show us by the things that we've seen by the examples that have been put before us and so I think that's where we kind of get into a little iffy waters because we are so um adamant about being around people who live the same life as us that believe in the same things that we believe in or that share the same you know thoughts as us is that we don't necessarily open ourselves up to anything other than what we have always had and so um yeah i wanted to say that this got real in another way but yeah all right so the month of may is a pretty busy time of the year for all of us no matter who you are we have graduation time it is really the beginning of wedding season we have kids getting out of school and may usually signifies the beginning of summer with the memorial day holiday May is also the time where we celebrate mothers, and if you are fortunate enough to have a mother or a mother figure, a healthy mother figure, you know, you want to celebrate your mom, which we should do all the time, but we have that official card holiday in quotations, um, which is Mother's Day. But May also is National Foster Care Month and Mental Health Awareness Month. I did want to talk about... um, what this means for me, I am a foster mother. I have been a foster mother. It is almost a year. Um, I did my training. The training was about six weeks here in the state of Missouri. It's, you take your classes for six weeks and 
you got to go through the background check. They got to come do a home study and all that stuff like that. And you become a foster mom. I think I officially became official through the state and had my um, certification and my number and all of that so I can get paid. I believe I got all of that. It had to be around June, but I know for sure I started classes in August. I'm sorry, in April of last year. But anyway, I got my first um, placement July of last year. So around this time last year, I was really getting into the foster care thing. Growing up, it wasn't like I wanted to become a foster parent. Growing up, I kind of had the idea that my life would be what we always are told life would be. You would grow up, go to school get married and have kids of your own and um of course as we was talking about earlier how you know just how that doesn't always pan out um I always liked kids I always enjoyed kids I always wanted to have my own kids and since that didn't happen and I at that time I had after a while once I got like in my 30s I had begun to you know teach and realized that there was really a lot of kids that are in bad situations and it really, you know, was placed really heavy on my heart that I wanted to help. And as well as with my nonprofit, I wanted to become a foster parent. So, um, it was not, it, it was a easy decision in the fact that I knew that was what I wanted, but you know, I don't know too many foster parents, um, especially in my family. It doesn't, you know, being a foster parent, I have, well, I have one aunt and my aunt, my uncle, my great aunt and uncle, they, um, adopted children. But other than that, in my family, everybody usually has their kid, have their own kids and then they have multiples of their own kids. So being a foster parent really wasn't necessarily the culture of my family or the culture of too many people that I knew, but it was something that I wanted to do. And so once I began to tell those in my circle, you know, a lot of people were very encouraging, but I did have those people. It was like, are you sure? I mean, you don't have no kids, you know, you just, you know, people think if you don't have no kids, you just live in a life, you know, you don't have no responsibility, but it was something that I really wanted to do. So I wanted to pursue it, but I also had to take into consideration my health. Um, I'm a very severe asthmatic, and so sometimes I'm in the hospital for long periods of time, and I definitely understood that. So when I knew that I was going to pursue being a foster parent, I knew I had to make sure that I get my health on track. Um, but <clears throat> anyway, so yeah, I have. Um, I am on my second placement now. I have a 16-year-old foster daughter now. And when I first became a foster mommy, it was like, you know, I want to help black kids and you know so I have a um, white foster daughter and I tell you people always worry about oh well I don't want to be a foster parent because you're going to get attached you get attached immediately and even though in my eyes you know my foster daughter the one that I have now you know she didn't fit the mold of I wanted a younger black daughter she's an older white girl and let me tell you I would choose her all over again if I had the opportunity. Um, I did not want any older kids because I was where, you know, because I still look young myself and you know how kids will try you. Um, but <laughs> I I wanted to start them off with younger, you know, and kind of build with them. And the whole idea of having a kid in foster care is to reunite them with their um, biological family. 
that is always going to be my goal. If any kid comes into my care, I'm always going to push for them to be reunited with their family if it is a healthy situation and if it is best for the child. But being in this system, um, working with the system for over a year now, let me tell you, I have come across so many stories, heartbreaking stories of kids who are abandoned, kids who are abused, kids who are, you know, neglected by their parents because the parents are on drugs or it's just a lot of heartbreaking things. And I have to tell you that I believe that being a foster parent has been one of the best decisions I've made in my life. I, Cause I enjoy it. I really enjoy being a mom. Even when I had my first placement, who was a six year old, I enjoyed it. You know, I enjoy, you know, bringing this child into my home and showing them the life that I'm adapted to and also living life through their eyes. You know, they have to experience a lot of first and just, I really enjoy it. And I'm so happy that I made the decision. And when I tell people that I'm a foster parent, people always, always bring up the money thing. And I always just say, if you are in it for the money, don't do it. Because let me tell you, there is not an amount of money that anybody could ever pay me to make me feel happy with doing this job. Like, it is a job. Motherhood is a job. And these kids need you 24-7, around the clock, all the time, for everything. So that's when I say, if you're doing it for the money, don't do it. Because you're always going to be like, well, it ain't worth the money. The money will never make it feel worth it. You know what I'm saying? They can never pay you enough to make you feel like, okay, it's worth it. No, you have to really do this because you want to help. You do it from your, I mean, the, the doctor's appointments, the school stuff, just everything, the extracurricular activities, dealing with them when they have, you know, heartbreaking moments. When you are a parent, you are a nurse, a therapist, a sheriff, like you're everything to this kid. So... If you don't want to do it full time, you know, you can provide a home for the kids, maybe for on the weekend or something. If the foster parents need a break, those are called respite providers. I say try if you want to just help, help. There's plenty of ways that you can. You can even volunteer at shelters because a lot of kids, when they first come in the system, they can't find them homes right away. So they go into shelters, you know, and it's just a lot of kids that, you know, are dealing with a lot of trauma and things like that. And any kid that comes into my home that I am fostering, um, it is mandatory that they are taking therapy um, because you're in the house. You, you've been ripped away from your parents for whatever reason. And you're in the house with this strange lady, this stranger who, you know, is very nice, but she likes to give you hugs and stuff like that. So, <laughs> you know, but... Therapy is something that I always kind of push for all the kids that I have, which I'm going to roll this International um, Mental Health Awareness Month, which is also in May, um, because I believe that mental health is important. I believe that healthy mental health is essential for a healthy life. I, um, I've said before that I have been in therapy. I am an advocate of therapy. I always push for it. I was in therapy for a few years when I lived in Atlanta. Um, I had a traumatic event around 2015 where I was in therapy. And I started therapy again once I became a foster parent. Not because 
it, it was just a change and I just had to adapt to this new change in life and I'm not ashamed of it and I believe it was one of the best decisions I made and I did you know especially this last time when I went into therapy um when I say I went into therapy again, it wasn't just because I was a foster mom, but it was because of a lot of things that are happening, but it was a life changing event. So I had to learn how to alter things. And so I had the opportunity to opportunity to be take therapy again. So I took it because not only did I have to change a lot of things, but I had to kind of work through some things and, you know, and it is important that, you know, you feel comfortable with your therapist because you are telling them a lot. But I just, more importantly, I mean, even if you don't necessarily like the idea of sitting on a couch, sitting in a chair with one-on-one, there are support groups. There are, you know, there are other options that you can get some mental help that you need. And I don't ever want anybody to ever feel ashamed or feel like, something is wrong with you because you are seeking mental help, um, therapy, get it. You know, there are a lot of people that are suffering with things, you know, with bipolar disease, you know, they're schizophrenics and things like that. Get the help that you need to make your life better so that you can live a healthy life. I've used this analogy before. If you have a broken arm, you're not just gonna try to pray it that it gets pray to God that it gets better. No, you're gonna go to the doctor. So if you're feeling like there's something going on where you feel broken in your brain or you're emotionally or mentally broken, go to the doctor. Get you some help. It's no shame in that. It's no shame in ever doing what's best for your life. You know, I do believe that you can pray to God and still go to therapy. God made those therapists for a reason. So I said all that to say, you know, May is an important time of the year. Um, This is my first Mother's Day as a mother mother. I had a fur baby before, but this is my first Mother's Day as a mom. And also, too, I'm pushing, you know, um, self-care. Get you some therapy. If you need it, get it. Ain't no shame. Don't have no don't ever let anybody shame you for doing what's best for your life because at the end of the day you have to deal with what's going on in your mind and what's going on in your life. And you need to do what's best for you. Self-care. The number one thing with self-care is doing what's best for you no matter what anybody ever tells you. So I just wanted to say that month uh May is a very important time of the year for all of us and I hope that you are having an awesome one. So by the time you hear this, Mr. John Singleton would have been laid to rest. And I really wanted to talk about Mr. John Singleton because I really believe that he had the authentic audacity to live his life, to live his purpose. And I think that we can all take a page from that. First, but let me just say that 51 is extremely young. (laughs) He was 51 years old. He died of a stroke. And I know there's a lot of people who didn't make it to C-51. But I think in terms of, you know, I'm 37. My parents are older than 51. There's a lot of people I love who were 51 or older than 51. And I still believe that they still have a lot of life inside of them. So I say 51 is relatively young, but also too, 
I want to say that I am grateful for the life, for the work of Mr. John Singleton. Me coming up uh, in, you know, in the 90s and 2000s, I was able to be there during the great bulk of his work. And it was such a privilege to see that. It was such a privilege to see his work and how it influenced the world at the time that it you know that it was brought out and I think of the work that he did you know of course his very first movie was Boys in the Hood and I remember watching that movie and just being kind of blown away not only at the life that these young men and these black people were living in South Central LA but Poetic Justice you know which had my girl Janet because Janet is one of my favorites and the Remember the Time video and Higher Learning, you know, that was one of those movies that made me anticipate going to college. And I think of all the all the work that he did and just how now I look at it as an adult where I'm older and I'm able to really take it in and understand things more. And I'm just blown away by it because it's such beautiful pieces and they were beautifully done and just he really I'm just really grateful that he had the audacity to live his authentic life he had the audacity to live in his purpose because you think of his work and the people that he influenced and the people that they're going to influence and the, it, it's like a it's a you know um it's like a reaction you know you do your, you know, you do what you were put here to do. I do believe that we were all put here with a purpose. You know, that God gave us all a purpose, um, a mission here on this life to better not only other people, but this world. And so I believe that Mr. John Singleton did his job. And I, and I look at just, you know, the people who were affected by his passing and just, the work that they have done because they seen this black man do amazing and wonderful things. And I'm just so happy that he was able to do it, you know, because it takes a lot. You know, he, he went very far. It takes a lot. You know this. If you've ever tried to live in your passion and let your soul dance. And when I say let your soul dance, I mean, I know when I do my work with my nonprofit and with these young ladies, and the feeling that I feel on the inside of doing this work that I believe I was created to do, I feel like my soul is dancing. And so that's what I mean when I say that. And so just when I think that he, you know, did this work, he let his soul dance and how it has influenced so many people and how it has left a le a living legacy even though he's not here that legacy that legacy that he left us that work that he left us is his legacy and it will live on long 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 after i'm gone after you gone the work that he's done was not in vain because he decided to live in that purpose and i think that's such a beautiful thing and i think that that is amazing and it takes a lot for a person to really live in their purpose because it will never be easy. There will be obstacles. There will be things that come and stand in your way with all, you know, there will be things, there will be obstacles that you have to overcome. 
simply because you you have decided to let your soul dance. It will not be easy, but the fact that he persisted and he made it so far, especially as a young black man in Hollywood in the early 90s, and I'm just so grateful that he did that, that he decided to not take a job working for the city, but to take it, you know, to even if he took the job with the city, he didn't give up on his dreams. And that's such a beautiful thing because, like I said, it, it's long lasting. It will last forever. I remember when Prince died and, you know, everybody was showing Prince interviews from years ago. And I saw Prince's very first interview he did. I can't remember who he was interviewed by, but it was an, I want maybe Dick Clark or somebody like that, but it was in the early 80s and Prince, or the late 70s, maybe 79, 78, and Prince was on late night television in a Speedo and some Thaha boots with his guitar. And I just thought the gall of this man to be so boisterous and so just like, bam, this is me and I'm living in my purpose and I'm and I'm feeling good. I'm doing my music. This is who I am. You're going to love it. You're going to accept it and, and, and you're going to deal with it. And I just, all, that have just always sat with me because I just always thought that was such a beautiful thing to just be who you are. This is what I got. This is who I am. You're going to get this and you're going to get it and you're going to live with it. You know, and I just think that's such a beautiful thing. And I think of that when I think of John Singleton and how he came out like, this is my work. I'm showing the work of the people, the boys in the hood. This is what's happening in South Central L.A. And you're going to get this because this is what I got and this is what I'm putting out. And you know what? You may not like it, but this is the reality. This is what I got to give and you're going to take it and you're going to love it. Because even though it may, even with Prince being in them Speedos and them thigh-high boots and John Singleton coming out with this film that was such a reality for so many young black people, people didn't like it They didn't because it made them face the reality. But guess what, though? That didn't stop him from putting it out there. It didn't stop him from giving it to you raw. And that is just beautiful to me because... He was authentic with it. And he had the audacity to be like, this is real. And you're going to get this. You're going to get this work. Because this is what it is. And this is my art. You're going to respect it. You know. And you're going to treat it as such. And so, I wanted to just thank God for the life, the work, and the legacy of Mr. John Singleton. I'm grateful for the work he put out. How he has influenced us all. And I just hope that we can all take a page out of his book to continue to just live in our purpose, live in our passion, you know, and do what it is that we were put here to do because you never know who we are influencing. All right, everybody, I'm headed up out of here, but I do want to thank you so much for listening to my podcast. I know that growing and relearning things that we've been taught can be pretty tough and it's a pretty touchy subject, but I do feel like this conversation should be addressed and we should all be open and honest with each other and most importantly, ourselves. We all deserve to live our most authentic life. If you want to reach out to me with any comments, questions, or concerns, 
I can be reached at my website, MissJanae.com, M-S-J-A-N-A-Y.com. I am also Miss Janae on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. All right, I'll be talking to you soon. Take it easy.